everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Genre Equality Podcast. I'm Hitzir. I'm Hadi. And this month, we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, you may remember him from last month's... Uh, well, not last month, last year. He hasn't been around for, for oh, yeah. a year. Uh, our last Halloween special uh, is noted playwright uh, from Dark Matter Theatrics, uh, Christopher Falk. Hi. Hi, Chris. Hi. You got, you're gonna need to speak closer to the mic, Chris. I know you're new to this. This is like a Joe Rogan podcast. I'm yeah, just asking yeah. the guests to come okay, nearer. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because the, the, the last time we recorded with Chris, right, we were using our lame ass uh, on the table audio recorder, you know, the really cheap ones. Uh, in the yeah. 12 months since we have upgraded to microphones. Yeah, we will be trying to get a third mic soon. Now. We'll be trying to, but at, at this point, it's beyond our budget. Yeah. Yeah, so. so <laughs> We have to share mics for now. Uh, this month, we'll be talking a lot about some intelligent uh, animation for adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one really interesting uh, live-action take on an iconic DC villain, uh, which has uh, spurned ton of, tons of think pieces around the world. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start off with Joker. Not the Joker. 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 Uh, it seems to be the most... I want to say... Hype is the wrong word Seems to be the most discussed Topic mm. in pop culture circles Over the last two months or so At times it was polarizing it, it Always polarizing Yeah Yeah so um, it, It's directed by The Hangover Todd Phillips mm-hmm. Surprisingly starring Joaquin Phoenix It's a reimagining Of uh, the Joker uh, as I mentioned, uh, there is a lot of controversy around this. Uh, so before we actually get into the the, the merits of the film, right? Mm. Maybe uh, maybe maybe let's g- give some thoughts about wh- what do you think about the controversy surrounding this film? Do you, do you think it's overblown? Do you think a lot of it is rubbish? Do you think some of it has merit? Uh, honestly, I thought a lot of it was overblown, lah. Mm. I mean, we talked about it, you know, the depiction of violence and all that, like as if it was going to affect. Um, millions of Americans and they're gonna go on the street and you know shoot people up because a lot of these news articles came out from America la, because of you know the w- quote unquote wanton violence that the Joker had la, especially at the middle of the film and the end of the film mm-hmm. um, actually I was I, I found the violence quite tamed Th- that's <laughs> why I was like, so when I watched it and I was like oh that's it like I I, f- I, I believe that a lot more horror films are more gory than that I agree more violent than yeah, that. yeah 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 but the whole idea of uh, revenge, la. you know, I, there was this, um, a similar controversy happened during the release of Death Wish. Or oh, is it Death Wish? No, the one with um, Bruce Willis. Death Wish, Death Wish right? Yeah, yeah, it's a shitty movie, la, okay? And I mean, that's why no one watched it anyway. La. The original Death Wish is amazing though. You should yeah, watch yeah, it yeah, from yeah. the 70s. I'm talking about the remake, not, not the, the original one. So this was a, another revenge film. And again, it had a similar controversy of, you know, the white man um, doing violence upon... For him, in that case, it was more white on black vi- violence, lah. Mm. But in the Joker's case, it was just uh, this. The all the articles were about all this wanton violence that I didn't really. I I, I feel I like really most see. of the articles that were written were written by rich people, and they were scared of being eaten <laughs> by the poor. That's why <laughs> they were scared of That's the so Joker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I think a lot of uh, of uh, uh, discussion has been about the responsibility of art, uh, and. and some might say valid worry that it might send a like wrong message, wrong message. to to the the, yeah. the four chan, edge lords and the incel extremists of the world la. So mm. I, that's why I wanted to kind of begin this conversation yeah, by breaking yeah. down the the debate at first la. Uh, is there a chance for a piece of art to be misinterpreted or or misused by the mentally ill and the psycho extremists in the world? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, sure there is. Of 
but is art obligated to be moral or politically responsible? Not no. Really. Uh, the answer is so. no. Yeah. Uh, if you say that art can't be dangerous, that's a slippery slope. La. But, yeah. Uh, art's main obligation is, is kind of to hold a mirror to ourselves, uh, the yeah. good and ugly parts of society and, and human nature. And the fact that Joker has been has touched such a nerve indicates that it's done its job. Yeah. Right? Um, it's not glorifying Joker as a hero, but it may be misunderstood to be a hero. Uh, any more than, you know, like uh, Breaking Bad glorified Walter White. Or, or Tony Soprano was glorified in The Correct. Sopranos. Or, yeah. or Tyler Durden in uh, Fight, Club, Fight Club. You know, yeah. Those films and narratives clearly paint him out to be the villain by the end. By the end, yeah. Uh, but... When you talk to a lot of people about Fight Club, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you notice or, or or Breaking Bad? Do you notice the the kind of hero worship for for them, right? So Misinterpretation, Correct, la. So yeah. there is the danger for that, la. Of course. But when you're when you're trying to say that art cannot be dangerous, I mean it that should. That leads to censorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I'm not ready to go there, la, mm-hmm. Despite. Like my liberal lean, actually because of my liberal leaning. Yeah, yeah, I was right? going to say it's because of your liberal leanings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joker doesn't hold up its protagonist as some sort of radical anti-hero. Nah. Uh, nor does it deflect blame from the villain. Nope. It si- it simply cautions out cautions us about the societal conditions that can create such a monster. Po- possibly. Mm. Okay. Uh, like without with that out of the way, right? So, what did you guys think about the movie itself? Um, I thought Todd Phillips did a decent job. I was really I was but Joaqu- Joaquin Phoenix is such a marvel to watch. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, In terms of his uh just his acting uh chops lah. He's yeah. always been there, you know. Yeah. I I mean like there there'll definitely be that comparison between him and also uh Heath Ledger. Yeah. Uh but I feel like because Joaquin uh-huh. uh, had much more screen time considering he was the main, the main character. The main character, uh, there was more, more of a chance for uh people to see the kind of acting quality that goes into such a performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a, a lot of um, the Joker, the Joker role has always been very synonymous with like, um. With method acting, mm-hmm. uh, and how that kind of method acting could lead to certain repercussions, and I mean, like Joaquin's uh, performance in that also kind of showed the the dangerousness of that kind of acting technique. Yeah, but uh, I I feel like his performance was not uh, was not as extreme as let's say. Um, uh, Christian Bale, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, in terms of his like physicality and everything, you know, okay. like he didn't have to starve himself to get into, into that, you know. Okay. Um, the the role itself, the characteristics of the role, uh, didn't require him to push himself off the ledge. Uh. That's what. That's why I'm really trying to. Say, okay. Yeah. The way that like Heath Ledger, for example, went over the ledge. Yes, went over the ledge. Yeah. Okay. With, with the role. Um. Yeah. Uh. Again, I'm a lot of the sentiments I agree with Chris lah. In terms of Joaquin Phoenix performance, was the main reason why I was so impressed with the film. However, um, apart from that, you know, um, little gripes here and there. Uh, but I love the aesthetics also of Gotham itself. Very very uh retro nineteen eighties kind of feel you had that that 
they somehow managed to build that tension of um, LA during that period of time or New York during that period of time where you had danger at the corner of the street mm. you had this uh, sense of like um, a downward spiral that our city was going through especially with I mean because of the garbage um, uh, strike right all the garbage men were not collecting trash and all mm-hmm. that and we've seen this happen in a lot of cities around the world mm-hmm. and you see the pile up of garbage everywhere and suddenly the city becomes very depressing very dark very scary uh, and added to the fact that you know the Joker's uh, spiral into madness uh, continued it was great I mean yeah the, the garbage is sort of uh, si- a symptom of the class inequality yes, uh, some places are taken care of and some places are not yeah um like I'll, I'll, I have some gripes as well, but yeah. like I guess I'll talk about the good points. Yeah, the good points first. Like Joker, I think it's quite daring and mm-hmm. devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, piece of filmmaking in terms of the cinematography, st- some of the stylistic choices, mm, they're yes. quite beautiful. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, prof- his performance is indeed as magnificent as advertised. It wasn't overhyped at all. Nope. It is a uh, chilling and grotesque, uh, and and kind of needed for that kind of character mm-hmm. study. Mm-hmm. His physicality is unnerving, and, oh. and and my God, the way he laughs is disturbing, yeah. and and feels physically painful. Like I feel like my chest retching, like yeah. when he laughs. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a it's a different kind of laugh than than Jack Nicholson or or, or Heath Ledger yeah. or Cesar Romero or Jared Leto or, Jared Leto <laughs> or, or Mark, Mark, Mark Hamill. You know, yeah. the quintessential cartoon Joker, yeah. right? Um, I like the idea of the Tourette's laugh and, and the way he, he bottoms out his lungs, you know, it's, mm. it's so visceral, right? Um, there are beats and moments of dark comedy that are genius. There is a reveal in the middle that is so well executed. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to go back to the moments of intentional black comedy la, um, involving a little person uh, that is horrifying and hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Um, I kind of don't want to spoil that moment, but it's great. It, yeah. w- once you get to that point, uh, it's quite funny, uh, but also unsettling and, and provocative as, <laughs> as it should be. Um, it it kind of turns this supervillain psychopathy of Joker into something frighteningly real and mm-hmm. politically incendiary, which is what the worry is about. Like, it yeah. isn't so much about that it's violence, it's nope. that the violence is real, uh, mm-hmm. uh, grounded in realism. I like, mean, anyone could do this. Right, like uh, Deadpool is a hundred times, million times more violent than this. As is John Wick, but yeah. there's no. But you level don't have the skill to be John Wick or Deadpool. There's no level of realism there, yeah. right? So, so y- yes, like I mostly liked it, but I'm I'm not as in love with it as most. Yep. There are some huge flaws that are difficult to overlook. Uh, oh. Firstly, it is a bit um, ideologically hollow. Um, it touches upon some potent points like class warfare, mental illness, uh, powerful women. Uh, powerful men using women, uh, a lack of compassion in society, uh, but it never quite fleshes them out enough to form a cogent point. Uh, secondly, there are two comic booky moments that destroyed the film's art house tone. Yep. Uh, when you see a certain uh, iconic scene, and uh, it is an iconic. L- scene. Let's just say a couple of scenes were very reminiscent of. Uh, a certain Fox show called Gotham, <laughs> uh, which totally kind of destroyed it for me. Um, secondly, there are, uh, it, uh, thirdly, it is kind of Martin Scorsese light with scenes directly copied from Taxi Driver and The King, King of Comedy. Of comedy yeah. um, I understand the intention behind the homages. I just wished it was a thematic knot rather than a direct right? facsimile like it, of it, it. It had a bit too... I mean, if it was just a little more subtle, mm-hmm. it would be perfect really. Um... Go watch it lah. It's still it's still a, a a film you should watch lah. Mm. I feel, 
Um, I don't think uh, the controversy was as warranted. I felt. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. Hmm. I can see why people be worried, but if I don't think it has that kind of impact, the film won't have that kind of impact that people think that it might have. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh. My closing thoughts about Joker is that yes, definitely you should watch it. Is it worth a rewatch? I think for me it would be because I just recently came across uh, an article about uh, Joker and the clocks in the film. Oh. So now I'm kind of curious. I really want to rewatch oh, okay. it and just find out, figure out what those hidden symbolisms oh, are okay, about. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah. I I think for me is. I I kind of don't. J- it's a good movie. Yeah. But I don't judge works in a vacuum. I judge mm. them by the creator's intent and how well it accomplished okay. that intent. Yeah. For example, Pacific Rim doesn't pretend to be anything other than a cartoon, which is why it succeeds, right? Mm-hmm. Avengers: Infinity War wants to be the best and most interconnected blockbuster spectacle ever done on film, which and, it, and it succeeds wildly. Yeah. So you, you you kind of judge McDonald's against other fast food standards, right? Mm-hmm. And and you judge fine cuisine against Michelin standards, for example. Sure, if you sure. take that analogy, yeah, yeah. So if you are saying it's high art, you yeah. want to be high art. You repeatedly debuted in film festivals, and Todd Phillips is going around saying, "Oh, this is art. This is art." I'm I'm going to be judging it in the context of Correct. high art, like, yeah. and, and and the bar is higher there. Correct. It's it's much higher, and if you want to say you're as deep and thoughtful and artful as Taxi Driver, then I'll judge you against movies like Taxi Driver. And yeah. in that respect, Joker is successful to a, to an extent, mm-hmm. but just not quite there. Uh, it's a great mimicry of art house that just doesn't quite capture the depth of art house. That's a good. Uh, one. That's why I'm rating this a seven out of ten. Same seven out of ten. Yeah. Right. How how about you, Chris? Mm, I would say seven point five only for Joaquin's fantastic performance. Mm. Yeah, uh, if if you are an actor and you want to l- see what the greats can do, and Joaquin really pulls out all the stops yeah. for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. I think Joaquin is famously known as a method actor. You know, he, he spent that whole Johnny year. Johnny Cash, remember? Yeah, and he spent that whole year pretending to be a rapper for that. You know. Oh, that thing. was awesome, man. Yeah, that that hobo rapper thing, and then. Yeah, people yeah. thought it was real. Yeah, for the longest time, I Even know. I th- I thought it was real. <laughs> uh, I was I like, oh my god, he's going through a psychotic breakdown. Like, I think this guy's going crazy. Nope. I keep I keep being reminded of was it Helen Mirren or Judy Dench or something on set, and and uh, one of the younger actors was was method acting against her, uh, <laughs> and then you know she was saying like, oh, that's not acting. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, yes, yeah. Method acting can get you to that level, uh, like Daniel Day Lewis, for example, yeah, yeah. right? You know, like I the believe he is Lincoln. Yeah, the perennial uh, method actor, la. Yeah, yeah, who spends like seven years researching a role. He became a cobbler for you know, uh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. his uh, last role ever, right? Mm-hmm. In the Phantom Thread, yeah, and uh, and and all that, la, But you know, I don't know what this is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally, I think method acting has its pros, but. Cons wise I feel like It really damages The psyche And <laughs> yeah. mental health Of an actor yeah, So man. Unless the role Really calls for it Like You can choose Certain uh, A certain percentage Of your performance Should be matter acting But other than that Just act Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just act That's a good one Pretend See, guys it's I love ma- having Chris around It's, it's make believe Yeah you know. That'll be the direction Chris would give uh, yeah. Phoenix uh, <laughs> just, or Just make believe one of the hila- more hilarious points to that is that you know Jared Leto tried to mm-hmm. do it for his Joker in Suicide Squad, you know sending uh, condoms and and that, that is a very 
very very bad example of method acting. Exactly, and like dead rats to his co-stars and all that, right? So um, sometimes it doesn't work, lah. <laughs> or sometimes it's so unnecessary for such minor a role, you know. Yeah. Uh oh well. Anyways, that that is the Joker. We all kind of liked it. Kind of liked it. Mostly yeah. liked it. Mostly liked. Mostly okay. Liked it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all round recommendations from all of us, yeah. but it is not. Perhaps not the Oscar contender it builds itself to yeah. be, lah. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about uh, the sixth and final season of oh Bojack no. Horseman, which has been split into two parts, each containing eight episodes. Uh, and we're here to talk about the first half of season six, which just streamed on Netflix this past weekend, yep. actually. Um, unquestionably, a cartoon about a washed-up '90s sitcom star who mm-hmm. also is a horse um, seems silly at first, yeah. um, but after five hilarious genius. Utterly emotionally devastating seasons Draining uh, Emotionally draining Yeah uh, Bojack has become In our eyes The the greatest series Of the streaming era Yeah If, yeah, if you If you yeah. want to talk about All the shows that have premiered Since the streaming platforms You know Your Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Your Orange is the New Black, Black House of Cards and, You know all, all the millions and millions Of streaming shows That have arrived since then uh, Bojack is undoubtedly The best um, And until and, and today It's 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 Last season Season 5 It's yeah. still the only thing On this show that we've reviewed that has received a unanimous 10 out of 10 from yeah. Isa, Hadi, and, and myself. Uh, and if this podcast was around during the first four seasons, I think none of them would be rated below a 9.5. Would you agree? I have not seen a single dip in quality at all. I think its first season was its weakest. Its first season would still be a 9.5 yeah, yeah. out of 10. But no dip in quality as it goes on, you see? Because 2, 3, 4, 5, 6... Are, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of spoiling my... And rating here But fuck it lah They're 10 yeah, out of 10 It's la. 10 out of 10 Yeah la. And, and when, I, when I'm talking about The first season being the weakest It's still 9.5 Yeah You know I mean It's, it's, it's insane It's excellent Okay um, Let's talk about The first half of season 6 Yeah I think my I only have one complaint of this Is that it, it feels like, feels half, like a half, a half a season Because <laughs> yeah, it is It's half a season This is not even like A valid complaint <laughs> you know? Um, okay, the fifth season ended with Bojack finally hitting rock bottom, which is, is and, yeah. stunning to say after seeing him almost rape a child, um, oh, yeah. cause Sarah Lynn to die from drug overdose, uh, and, and all of that, you know, this cumulative yeah. toll of depression and this pathological need for approval and substance abuse and self-destructive tendencies finally and went too far last crazy season. Crazy narcissism. Yeah, um, when Diane dropped Bojack off at rehab at the climax of last season, we wondered if it would stick. Yeah. Uh, well, this this season explores that. Mm-hmm. It's impressive how season six treats Bojack's stay in rehab. Um, it takes some time for him to get a grasp on what he's actually doing there, even if he he thinks he's making headway, right? Yeah. Bojack does the work. He co- he confronts past demons, but what's important is that he wants to do this for the first time ever. You know. It's also a very mature approach to therapy and rehab. Yes. Even if he does turn accountability into a shield of de- defense in some respects, it is generally touching to watch him help others stick with their own sobriety. You know, he's yeah. not being so selfish anymore. Yeah. It feels like the natural final act for the character, and and all of this works. All of this work leads him down a selfless path for the first time I've ever seen yeah. him on the yeah. show. Um, it's kind of the it's perfect. him. The perfect place where he can actually do some good. This season, yeah. he's actually doling out advice to Diane, to Princess Caroline, to to the rest, right? Uh, so this season, Bojack is much more of a force of helpful change than one of destruction. Would you agree? And and what do you think about it? Oh man, it's such a beautiful journey watching these six episodes. Eight. Sorry, eight episodes. It was great. It was easy also. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty minutes each episode. Uh, but I love that 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 whole like stint in therapy and how he was so dependent and so afraid of getting out into the real world mm. 
sorry, spoilers allowed? No, I mean like in general, In la, general, yeah, yeah. In general, the therapy sessions that uh, that was doled out throughout the the, the six episodes was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved the focus on the other characters around him, mm-hmm. where Bojack was not even in the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, the Princess Caroline storyline was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you had also um, not so much on Todd again. Mm-hmm. Todd was kind of like oh, well, Todd. I think actually this season had the meatiest storyline he's ever had with his father, which you know we, we first we oh, never, okay. we never oh, met. I forgot about the episode. Yeah, yeah, the one with the yeah, yeah, okay, the, the one with the kidney, the kidney episode. The yeah, kidney yeah, stays yeah. in the picture. It's in the title, so it's mm. not a spoiler. Yeah, 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 that was yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Diane's own journey mm. was interesting as well. Diane pretty much functions as a co-lead in the show. Yeah, more so than anyone else. She's yeah. almost the 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 Peggy Olsen to the Don Draper. Okay, yeah, you that's a good I mean? analogy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was great to see, and and her journey from from being the g- the the girl that was writing Bojack's a uh, ghost writing Bojack's book, mm. all the way until hosting this, um, like vice like. Documentary Girl series Crush Girl Crush No but she's doing like, Some actual good work No there. exactly Yeah Like she took this uh, she's it, like it was like a BuzzFeed kind of video thing yeah. And she turned it into Like more of a Vice document uh, Investigative journalism Yeah, yeah. She Kind was, of thing She instead. was Isabel Younging it <laughs> Exactly Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah So that was, that was That was interesting la. What do you think about Her, her new boyfriend uh, Voiced by Lucky Stanfield um, The bull Oh What was his name Guy, guy, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you forgot guy. Guy, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I guy. Yeah. Uh, I was. I, I like. I like that support character. Mm. Um, I like the interactions with him and Diane throughout. Uh, especially when Diane was going through her own um issues lah. Mm. Uh, and Diane has this has similar qualities to Bojack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also a bit of a narcissist. Uh, at times, uh, especially when you know she's. Writing, quote unquote, writing her book, lah. Mm. But she's one last thing, and then I'll shut up. Yeah. the title of, yeah. her, of her memoir. <laughs> That's only the first part of the title. It was like a fucking page long title. It was a, it was a great running gag. It la. was a, great a bunch of great gag. running gags in there, this there, season. There the bed sheets being tied up as an escape. <laughs> as an escape rope. <laughs> it just keep kept getting funnier every time <laughs> they did it. Yeah. The one when they were in Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Yeah, yeah, no, that was the most overtly comedic episode I've seen in Bojack for a long time yeah. because it's it shifted to a drama quite a while back, la. It did. And then like once in a while they have this like, oh yeah, it we re- are a comedy. <laughs> Remember when this was a comedy? Yeah. <laughs> like real LOL. Not not like I love the good place, la, but the good place is very like, ha, that's clever, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, chuckle chuckle. This, this one, this one was just like heartily. Yeah. LOL uh, kind of comedy uh. <laughs> When he looked at the bitches And he started tying it You know like, and, and like them pretending To be like the smart The coin. robots <laughs> Yeah I, I AI mean, AI Spoilers uh, But spoilers. It, was, it, was, it was really funny It was hilarious uh, um, I love the new credits too uh, Me too uh, Yeah me too Instead of drifting to, Through his current life He drifts to his past, past you know, life, Haunted yeah. by memories Of Sarah Lynn Herb Kazaz and, and of course his mother mm-hmm. Uh the credits, if if not the first half of the season is in its entirety, act as a sort of primer to remind the audience of what every single awful, selfish thing that Bojack has, has ever done, done. Yeah. because he was needy or profoundly insecure. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a testament to how the show never falls into its own trap. It could have easily become depression porn yeah. about awful things happening to selfish people. And for a while, it was, and it was necessary. But towards the end, there has to be growth. And there is, and then this this is the movement towards that. Yeah. Uh, no. I I feel my favorite episode for this half was yeah. Princess Caroline's episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's depiction of uh, the consequences of being 
a working single mother. Uh, the way it was animated, you know. Mm. Uh, the multiple perspective thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and and the the ticking clock motif in the soundtrack, uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it had and the repetition over and over. Again, it had yeah. such a level of tedium and nervousness, and uh, yeah, I mean. I can't imagine what it's like to be a single mother uh, or yeah. single parent. It, it seems to be the most difficult thing in the world, and and they made it look like the most difficult thing in the it world. Yeah. yeah, like at the end of the episode, you felt as exhausted as Princess Caroline, mm-hmm. and you were like, and you had this certain respect towards her character. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was always this agent who did everything for her client. Mm-hmm. Remember, like she would go to lengths to 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 you know get get whatever her client wants, lah. Mm-hmm. Um. I also kind of like the 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 writers uh, the the homage to the writer strike, mm-hmm. the the assistant strike. Mm-hmm. I I like that the story arc also. Yeah, man. Uh, the Hollywood Hollywood just fell apart after that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Princess Caroline's arc was great. Yeah. Uh, even Todd uh has some meaty stuff. I mean, they did some. You know, his asexual coming out was kind of a big deal over the last couple of seasons. Yes, yes. But you know, you never quite knew where he came from or who his parents were. And now we know that he's and what he's and why he keeps failing outwards. Yeah. You know, his uh his dad's lines like, "Oh, I forgot you're white." You know, yeah, <laughs> the last part, yeah. I forgot you're white. Because <laughs> uh, dad is Latino, and all he's been trying to instill this Latino, uh, hardworkingness, work ethic. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and Diane, you know, who's you know the co-lead, she's a mess herself. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of at once a self-righteous SGW, uh, but at, sen- at the same time, she's also hip- a hypocritical clickbait journalist who kind yeah, of yeah. betrays her own values at every turn. Yeah. Uh, we also but more self-aware though. More self-aware. Yeah. yeah no, because that's one of the things. Everybody is more self-aware, including Mr. Peanut Butter, who's yeah. just wrecked with guilt. Yeah, throughout the entire time. Throughout the entire time, lah, and and beyond its complexities of its mm. characters, this season it has a lot of plenty timely important issues. You know, last year was the Me Too season. Yeah. Uh, this one is about the proliferation of mega corporations. Yeah. They need to turn everything into a franchise. Yeah. Uh, how you treat the lower levels of employees in Hollywood mm-hmm. or the Hollywood industry. Mm-hmm. Um. This touches all at an an appreciated injection of realism into yeah. into the series, which helps ground it from its more unorthodox edges. Lah, mm-hmm. uh, Bojack tackles heavy issues, but its sense of silliness isn't lost in this goodbye season. Nope. Uh, there's a lot of background gags, pop yeah. culture references, movie references la- that I just laugh at loud, laugh out loud, yeah. funny lah. I mean, it's still amazing how well they can strike a balance between the fast between everything and the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, There comes a point towards Bojack, especially because of how serious it takes some of his issues, yeah. that you forget that it's a cartoon about a talking horse and a cat that runs a you know blah blah blah, right? Yes, you, exactly. You stop seeing them as like these caricatures, and then you start seeing them as people. Yes. And then, weirdly enough, the show has to do a lot to remind us that yeah, these are can they can be funny too, lah. Yes, correct. You know, we started out in season one as like this weird cartoon yeah. of anthropomorphic animals, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just sort of lost it for a while. It became real. <laughs> yeah, it became too real. Yeah. It became too real. Can't pause for a while. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that uh, Bojack, I thought what did was a, did a great job was it it, it kind of tied up everything. Mm. Even though it's half a season only, and there's another half going on. Yeah. But it has this sense of going towards an end. Like it's very and not rushed. Like how Game of Thrones was very rushed throughout mm. the end, but it's a very poor example. No, I know, I know, yeah. but I, I, I appreciate. I just appreciate how, how much effort was put into BoJack and like how beautifully done it's been. Mm. You know, it's really one of the best series out there. It's it. This is one of the things that I kind of wanted to point out with this show and the next show that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, Big Mouth about yeah. anthropomorphic 
like genitals, genitals and and this one is just like you know about cats and dogs yeah. and horses. Uh, this kind of shows kind of like seem seem silly on the surface, but when you dig deeper, it's so smart and and, mm-hmm. and so well written. Uh, and I kind of wanted to kind of juxtapose that with Joker, which on its surface seems so smart and so well written, and then when you kind of dig deeper, there isn't anything there. Yeah, it's quite it's surface lah. It's it's actually interesting that we kind of reviewed Bojack after Joker, you know, one that is actually deep and one that pretends to be deep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, like Bojack Horseman. In, in conclusion, is season six at least the first half of it. It feels inspiring and empowering in a mm-hmm. way that the mm-hmm. other seasons haven't been. Uh, that being said, there's still no shortages of comedy, and because it's Bojack, it had to end with a gut punch right at the yeah. end. Yeah, you know, damn it, man. Uh, and like this, this raw moment of humanity. Um, yeah. it, it wouldn't be Bojack without them. So yeah. um, ten out of ten. Because my my one complaint isn't valid. It's half a season. It's half a season, but yeah. it is a half a season. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the final. You're season just complaining because you can't wait. I That's can't wait all. for January thirty first, yeah. which is when it's not that long. Not that really, long. Really. Yeah, ten out of ten. All right, ten out of ten on my side too. All right. Uh, um, speaking of very adults oriented uh, Netflix animation, uh, we're gonna be talking about Big Mouth next. It's back for most for more gross self discovery and obscenely hilarious coming of age humor in season three. Uh, and if you thought the show has done all it can in capturing the awkward embarrassments and sexual awakening uh, through, you know, as we mentioned, anthropomorphic genitals, hormone monsters, shame yeah, lizards, uh, love triangles with cum stained pillows. Oh, no. Uh, think again. You know, this season pushes new ground by moving f- beyond boy centric puberty mm-hmm. to focus and explore, you know, things like queer romance, queer, yeah. bisexuality, yeah. pansexuality, female masturbation, yeah. uh, the confusing realities of growing up online in the age of Me Too and yeah. an awareness of toxic mascul- masculinity, masculinity, the rise of neo Nazism, uh, and and kind of the the nascent, almost hilariously uh, inept understanding of non binary gender identities. Yep. Um, the thing is, right, that the characters on Big Mouth. Yeah, because their children yeah misunderstand concepts like sexism, victim blaming, and empowerment. So their outreach is often misdirected because they are so emotionally and hormonally hormonally heightened. Yeah, because they are children, right? So they're so that weird stage of development, lah. Right, right. So everything is exag- exaggerated in the in their actions and in how they portray. And they it. haven't had enough life yeah, experience, exactly. you know, right? So, like for example, the the purpose of various movements like slut walk in in the first yeah. episode is bastardized and misused by both boys and, and girls. Yeah. And the sad and smart part is right. Their angry outbursts sound exactly like how adults have conversation about these topics. You yeah. Know? You're like, what is their excuse? They're not ten year old kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see the same arguments being parroted online by fucking morons, mm-hmm. and they show parodies it so well. Yeah. Uh, we are supposed to be older and more mature, but yeah, you know, we are no better than children. Mm, at uh, times, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the times. Okay, lah. La. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the the first two seasons of Big Mouth had this universal quality about them that kind of checked boxes for adults and teenagers alike. Yeah. But season three kind of wades into new territory, you know, kind of exploring the world that teenagers currently inhabit. Yeah. So that it's not so universal. Kids no. from the eighties and the nineties. And the early thousands don't quite understand what it's like to grow up online right now. Yeah, it's familiar and bizarre and grim as hell and really scary. But more than anything, it highlights teenagedom through a digital perspective, where where wokeness and PC culture is is confronted by edge lords and incels, and and both sides share the blame mm-hmm. for teaching a lack of empathy and compromise. 
Does this tribalism the, kind of yeah, thing going on? Now? Which kind of causes the radicalization of children, exactly. which is why they grow up to be either on one camp la, yeah, or yeah, the other. And without trying to understand people as people. Correct. Yeah. I mean yeah. so what do you think about Mouse Season 3? Um again, I came to this show quite late. Uh I unlike Isa and you, I mm. did I only watched it recently only. Ah. Um I'm really impressed by it and how well done a lot of like uh, when how how you talk about uh sexuality in this uh in this series. Mm-hmm. Um I love your hormone monsters. All of them, really great puberty monsters. Um, Nick Kroll, I feel, is one of the best voice actors out there, lah. Um, him playing a uh, this little girl. What's her name again? Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll has a girl character also, right? I forgot who the girl character was. The fat one. Um, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, I but that one, like, you know who I'm talking about. You know, the 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 main one is Jenny Slate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it just I just love the twists and turns it goes into um, discovering. How these characters discover themselves, mm. um, I'm just impressed at how tight the writing is. Also, mm. um, it's tighter this season and previous season, yeah, yeah, which yeah. kind of went for a lot of low hanging fruit. Yeah, jokes. this was a lot more, yeah. a lot more cleverer. Yeah, and because I expect Kroll to be about low hanging fruit. Kroll loves, you know, yeah, yeah, this kind of shtick. Sh- shtick, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this was really a refreshing nod to you know, um, to um, this season was a very refreshing nod to what Nick Kroll can actually do. Yeah, but yeah. to be clear, there are a lot of low punches as well. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there, yeah. there's some really good high. But punches there's a lot too, of uh. subtlety now. Yeah, also yeah. added in. Yeah. Uh, again, John Mulaney, epic, epic, epic voice actor. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I just wish that uh, I I had caught it earlier, lah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 But it was fun. It was a really fun season. I think that what you were talking about is what makes season 3 its strongest outing to date um, yeah. it pulls no punches in a variety of mm. controversial subjects but yeah. it's, it's, it's important to note that it no longer goes for the easy joke yeah. um, like different sexual identities and girls trying to claim their own body yeah. are not the butt of the joke it's the confusion of teen minds that's made fun of you know how they fail to understand the meaning of yeah. what these people are trying to do it's a more Enlightened age But also a more toxic age mm-hmm. So how is a child Supposed to process all this You know um, Lust Curiosity Insecurity Raging hormones Hugely explosive mix And yeah, man. Also very funny um, Growing up With your changing body And shifting urges Has always been hard But growing up in 2019 With them Is so much more perilous yep. And I think that's kind of What Big Mouth Season 3 Is try- trying to explore yeah. It's lewd and crude And disgusting And also smart Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how would you rate this? I'll give it an eight. Okay. Yeah, eight and a half, lah. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eight and a half. Um, I've often overlooked how much intelligent commentary is behind Big Mouth in my previous reviews. Yeah. Uh, but because they usually usually be in seven point five and seven point five, mm. uh, I'm giving this an eight point five. Yeah, I had the the luxury of watching yeah. all three at one time. Oh, so you saw like a drastic yeah like, drastic search, improvement right in, in season, the third season. I was actually since. The My Furry Valentine yeah. special Yeah, yeah That, yeah. that movie yeah, yeah When uh The main kid Became scarily incel Correct Yeah yeah. <laughs> But exactly. almost like naturally Like I saw his trajectory <laughs> And it felt so organic <laughs> yeah. And it's so possible That that happens to people Yeah yeah. Of the scary thing He was like school shooter scary Yes And it was He was I mean he was cute In a Like oh I understand you know oh you masturbate a lot you cannot date yeah, girls you know yeah. in the first couple of seasons and then he went through this thing yeah and it's like oh fuck it can go so wrong <laughs> you know 
it's just like one little thing has to go wrong and everything your life is just screwed really after that yeah man yeah uh next up we'll be talking about uh gendry tartovsky uh and his return to adult swim after the success of samurai jack for a new animated series called primal uh told over five parts primal is um compelling exciting and kind of a heartbreaking look at the harsh cost of survival and the cruelty of nature set during prehistoric times so quick primer for primal uh the story follows an unnamed caveman and his dinosaur companion after a shared tragedy unites them uh no spoilers there um together they set out to simply survive uh one thing that immediately stands out is that the show is completely devoid of dialogue The characters solely express themselves through grunts, roars, and gestures. Uh, yet their emotions and personality come through extremely clearly thanks to Tatovsky's phenomenally detailed animation. Um, it's beautiful, and I really love the way the series was done. Um, what did you think about it, Chris? I was quite surprised from the first episode uh, that there was no uh, dialogue. Like the the very fact that I was always anticipating that. Dialogue to come out uh, Also made it quite surprising When the first episode end mm. Because like I just There was just no dialogue It was just Such a brand New uh, Way of Storytelling for me uh, mm-hmm. Especially with animation Because like, I don't see that very often mm-hmm. um, Yeah and uh, What I really did like about it Is really the the relationship between the dinos- the dinosaur and the caveman. Mm. Uh, there were really some parts of it which were quite touching. Mm-hmm. Very surprisingly touching moments mm-hmm. in most of the episodes. Without any like flowery prose or speeches no, or anything, none, you know? None of that. It was just yeah. really uh <coughs> I, I, I What's the guy's last name again? The 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 Tartowski. Tartowski, yes. Yeah. Uh, he has this brilliant way of handling those moments by just settling in on stillness mm. so he only animates like certain portions of the environment to be moving but then the characters themselves are still and he always chooses some very interesting povs of the two characters to kind of show how isolated they are as well as well as the the color the color um color palette that he chooses as well to kind of emote certain portions of the of the animation mm-hmm. yeah um there's a beautiful way the series kind of pairs down character interactions um uh, a glance into a reflection of an eye or the subtle way a subtle change of facial expression uh, the tiniest physical adjustment when sizing up a potential predator um without an inner or outer monologue to hide those small shifts uh, the body language is kind of magnified and and volumes can be said with you know a grunt or a glance <clears throat> because it's wordless its gorgeous score and hand drawn animation stands out even more than usual uh the mix of stylized creatures and fastan- fantastic attention to detail makes primal's action sequences feel like segments from a particularly thrilling nature documentary yeah um tatovsky and the animators make every struggle feel real mm. They show the strain in in the muscles as uh as the guy as the caveman climbs. I guess his name is Spear. Spear and Fang. Spear and Fang, right? Oh, the title of the first episode, right? Yeah. 
uh, as as spear you know climbs the tree uh, and, and they underline the blood and gore dripping from Fang's mouth after you know she manages to lunge for a successful bite you know uh, the protagonists are almost always outmatched always. And, and victory comes from the way they use the terrain mm-hmm. uh, or knowledge gain from an earl- from earlier in the episode to their advantage uh, Primal is unsparing in the way it shows the frequently cruel parts of nature is unrelenting in its bloodshed and the food chain is undiscerning mm. uh, you know people gotta eat right uh, it's an elemental tale with surprising emotional depth what, yeah. what, what do you think Hadi? Um, again okay first beautifully drawn right yeah. you all We've seen Samurai Jack We've seen this And all that yeah. um, He also did Hotel Transylvania Which is weird you know? um, <laughs> Which is actually A really good animated which is series actually, Yeah yeah It's yeah. just not on the level Of Samurai Jack Of course or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah For kids it's, uh, you know, Yeah okay yeah. So anyway <laughs> You should watch Hotel Transylvania If you haven't It's interestingly good Yeah yeah It, it got two Three movies uh, so Yeah must have done something right Exactly yeah. So anyway Back to uh, Primal um, <clears throat> I did not think that I will have so much empathy for both these characters. Mm. By the end, I was like flawed when you know certain things happen. Um, like it was such a short series, five episodes. How many minutes per episode? Twenty. Twenty, yeah. right? So how the hell did I fall in love with someone that doesn't even see a single word? Yeah. Like Spear and Fang, both of them lah together. Um, I and you without any dialogue, you know the kind of fe- feelings that they're going through, mm. like um. When they're clashing over, you know, in the second episode, they had a little fight, mm. you know, and the reconciliation at the end, mm. you know, or where, um, you could sense the 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 at, towards the end of the series where he had to fight the <coughs> no spoilers like, but he had to fight things, and when he saw one of his friends, well, how to explain this without spoiling it? I like it was just re- it was just moving and. And made you and and just so beautifully done, and it's it's just animation. I I, I don't get it. Uh, okay, coming from a screenwriting yeah. uh, point of view, yeah. uh, I I do feel that if you are an animator out there and you want to learn what the three X structure really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. you go watch Primal. Yeah, I think Chris like, Chris does it uh, better than me. The the it shows such clear attention to. Where the acts are, and the characters grow from episode to episode. Yeah. So they, even though like maybe the first episode has its normal uh three act structure, like in the second episode that you realize that that first episode is just basically the first act for this character. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. it's really a masterful uh piece of writing. Those five episodes. That's yeah, it that is watch. right. Yeah. Writing with no no dialogue with no dialogue yeah. is so hard to do, and because all you're seeing is just action. Yeah, and I mean, like, I gotta say, some of the fight sequences are just fantastic. To right, watch. so good uh, to watch. Like he fight that snake. Yeah. God damn, he fight the man apes. Yeah, but there's also something very visceral, symbolic oh, okay. about a lot of the. A lot of the titling, I like. I mean, like there are oh, no yeah, actual yeah, yeah. words, you know. So all you get from, all you get in terms of like language is from the title. Is from the title, yeah. and then you start to kind of associate that mm-hmm. with. Uh, I mean, like I, I think the the episode what River of Snakes. Yeah, River of Snakes. Uh, that that particular episode, you don't see the snakes yeah, until don't. really later on. But then you realize that a lot of uh, the tension between the characters yeah. is really. 
drawn from the title. It's just really good piece of writing. I agree. I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah I really love this so this well, short series. I'm going to rate it like a strong 8 lah. I would say 8.5. Yeah. Okay, 8.5. I'm yeah, 8.5 is better. Okay, okay. Uh How about 8, you? 8.5 for me as well. Yeah. I really think like being able to show conflict and cooperation right. and empathy and compassion without yeah. words is supremely difficult yeah. and it, it's masterful storytelling la. the, uh, like the title right like sav- you you would think with a title like that you think like oh the, the show is about savagery mm-hmm. and yeah to an extent it is la. but something primal in any species is also empathy and the ability to understand someone else la, if you choose to right and, and, and empathy is also primal And, and not just a trait limited to humans yeah, 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 yeah. and I think the message of this show more than the food chain is understanding yeah. uh, nature is cruel is that nobody can survive alone uh, you need someone to help you mm-hmm. and, and that is the only way that you can survive um, yeah very few missteps in this series very great uh, 8.5 out of 10 for yeah. me as well Oh god, we're talking about a lot of animation on this no, week. No, the whole four, first four is all animation. Uh, besides the Joker. Oh, um, it's going to be first five. I mean, yeah, yeah. Next up, we'll be th- going back to animation for Netflix's Carmen San Diego reboot. Uh, if you remember how much we enjoyed the show in season one, well, uh, go back, to listen to our review. Yeah. We really, really liked it. It was so much fun. Such an easy watch. And thankfully, season two continues to be yep. a stylish and enormously fun uh, espionage mm-hmm. romp for all ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this this show was meant to be for like. Nine year olds to like twelve year olds. Yeah, exactly. By right, lah. By right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we continue to follow the titular master thief and her psychics <laughs> as she foils the evil plans of a criminal organization Vile V I L E, all while avoiding capture from the International Law Enforcement Agency ACME A C M E. Uh, but this time, Carmen's adventures are complicated by a shaky alliance with her old sensei, Shadow-san. Shadow-san. And uh, shocking revelations about her past. It's a very good story that keeps us invested in her as a character. Right. Even as this second season continues to l- deliver an abundance of slick heists mm-hmm. and daring capers. Uh, what do you think about this? Um, so, I love... Again, the first uh, like the first review, I I love the educational aspect of Carmen San Diego. Yeah, it continues its form. Mm. Uh, he has like little two minute moments where they explain to you f- quickly mm. what the country they are in and what is about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but this is Carmen a very Carmen San Diego thing from the back from the past. Carmen San Diego, yeah, predates the Redis, probably by like a couple of decades. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But so again, continues that tradition, la, Yeah, which yeah, I they, love. They la. tell you like you we have a mission in in like, Brazil. In Brazil, this yeah. is the history, geography, yeah. the art tradition. This is the favelas. What are the favelas? Yeah, the, the so social political complications yeah. in there that, that affects the mission. Yeah, you know, so all these fun facts are not just facts; they will play yeah. into the mission as well. Exactly. La. So you know, yeah. it's quite organically introduced. So it's brilliantly done again yeah. for the second season. Uh, common story though, hmm. I loved it. Uh, now with Shadow Sun as her <laughs> her ally. Mm. It's 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 quirky. I like his always his um his grimace every time he has to talk to the twins. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I feel very represented by the Boston boy who hates fish. <laughs> yes, I know, right? He's the only character I've ever seen in popular in culture po- that you isn't stand fish. Isn't allergic to fish or anything. There's no, no medical condition. Fish, it's seafood. Seafood, right? Yeah, in general, squid like and everything. You. Like me, and yeah. he just gags whenever he sees it, right? Yeah, he literally. And gags. I've I've never met a person in real life, let alone represented. In yeah, like this pop is a huge thing, by the way. He's I know the only he represents know. the one person of like you know. Yeah. it's like uh, Tobias Winkers like never knew it, right? Exactly. There are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> Representation matters. Hashtag. 
<laughs> Whenever he gags And there's so many fish gags I know It's like you're writing this for me right there's, there's, there's no one else in the world like this <laughs> Um, but I like that they explored the the, the twins. Um, I don't know what backstory. Twins, their backstory and yeah. all that. That's quite yeah, interesting. Siblings, yeah, siblings lah. Yeah. Uh, about them being racist and all that. Mm, yeah. That's called, that's fun. Going to Dubai. Mm. You know. Um, I like the the appropriate police cars that were drawn and used in in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were Aston Martins. Mm. Good job. Yeah. I like that. It's a very fun and breezy lah. It is lah. It there is. There isn't really much to break down. Okay, no, no, San no, Diego, no. So I'm just gonna end it here. It's, it's uh, good lah. It's I. It, no, no, sorry. It's good because of who it's supposed to 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 cater to. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For its target demo, I'm gonna give this two ratings, right? For its yeah. target demo, it's a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for target demo. As yeah. a regular viewer, it's seven a seven out of ten. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, to me, it's a seven. You rate it seven and, seven and a half. half. It was yeah. fun. It was very fun to watch. Very easy to watch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. us being there isn't layers to it in the same way that like. Uh, let's see the old Simpsons could yeah, be enjoyed yeah, by young yeah, kids yeah. and old kids yeah. and adults and old women etc. Like to everyone, mm, right? Mm-hmm. This one is I know who you're targeting. And yeah. It's very good for that. Yeah. And because it's so good for that, like I can kind of enjoy it too. Yeah. You know, so it's a seven out of ten. Same. Yeah. Ten and a half. Okay. Um, let's go into a little segment we like to call quick hits. My favorite segment. But Hardy has actually seen a couple of things, so I'm going to push a couple of quick hits segments up. Uh, let's talk about. The latest installment of the Terminator franchise Let's called Dark Fate. Go! It's directed by Deadpool's director, Tim Miller. Yeah. Uh, and it wisely erases everything that happened after T2 from canon. Yeah. It's a bit like uh, Halloween, what Halloween yeah, yeah, yeah. did, right? So it, it wasn't a retcon. Mm-hmm. James Cameron simply said that those movies don't count mm-hmm. and you should not watch them, which is great <laughs> advice. Yeah, great advice. they're all pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so now with a clean slate, how does Dark Feet stand up, uh, stack up, you know? Well, someone enjoys it, someone it's, doesn't. Uh, it's, m- well, it's, it's miles and miles better than like Genesis. Than T3, 4, and 5. Mm. Or is this T5? I lost count already. It's miles I better by or, than any movie after T2. Like okay. Miles. Miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way better. Golf, you know. Even Salvation wasn't this good. Right, right, yeah. yeah. But it's also miles and miles below T1 and T2. Okay, that I agree. Yeah. That I agree with. It's a good movie. Yeah. But the best it can ever have been was the third best in the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not bad, providing that the franchise has six movies, but then three are not counted anymore. Okay. So, uh, what do you think of this? It was fun lah Come on Alright it, Cam- it was James Cameron Doing James Cameron Well he just produced this movie No I know yeah. But there was like There were, there were very James Cameron moments mm. In this movie First of all Can we talk about Linda Hamilton And Arno, Arnold Schwarzenegger's CGI characters At the beginning mm. God damn that was good right Yeah yeah That um, was some of the best Like um, Young Youngified DH 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 That's the one DH The one that yeah. they did for Gemini Man as well Gemini Man Which also did a really Samuel good job Jackson, at, at, et cetera, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah So this again uh, th- The technology is just insane mm. Linda Hamilton and Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger Look so good Yeah, yeah. Like legit uh, And, and um, what's the boy's name uh, John Carter's character John Connor John Connor John, John Carter. Carter from us That's the one <laughs> That was that bomb right Yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah sorry uh, John Connor uh, And the whole red corner That 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 um, post T2 la. Mm. yeah so we saw what happened after T2 um, spoiler alert I guess yeah whatever la. yeah I know um, John Connor get killed yeah you know but because of their actions Skynet never ever existed mm-hmm. so but then humans being humans you know another AI took over mm-hmm. this time called Legion wow such a generic name for AI mm-hmm. right I mean Skynet was pretty generic too yeah I know I know but like Legion is uh, just as generic lah. Sure. Yeah. Um. 
Legion um, well decides to do the same thing Skynet did lah, which was annihilate the the human population lah mm. with nukes and shit. Lah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I like the the whole woman empower uh, empowering message that was. Scattered throughout this film. I mean, it's not exactly new to Terminator. Like the hero has always oh, been, Sarah been Sarah Connor. Connor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 John Connor is more of a symbol. The he- the actual the symbol, action, the actual ha- action heroine has always been Linda Hamilton. Yeah, but this time even the savior is it's 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 a it's a girl. La. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I I get that la. Like I I think this movie more than Annie. Uh, kind of belongs to Linda Hamilton, who once yes. again returns as Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Super badass. Super like badass. Uh, I think, with the exception of Aliens, Ellen Ripley, Sarah Connor is undoubtedly the greatest sci-fi heroine like, yeah. ever put on film. And I'm glad that she meant she got to do this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she kind of stamps it here with badass authority, um, yeah. as does you know Mackenzie Davis, who you may know Ooh. from uh, Black Mirror, Sentinel Junipero, or Hot I and love, Catch Fire, oh, and I a bunch of so other things she's done. Uh, she yeah. plays an enhanced super soldier from the future, and she is cool. Yeah. Uh, Dark Fate gets more right than it does wrong. Ah, okay, yeah, I'm down with that too. Uh, and what did you get wrong though? There's an undeniable sense in sense of thrill seeing Annie mm-hmm. and Hamilton back together, together sharing yeah. the screen. It's also a solid action movie with thrilling sequences and great set pieces. Didn't you feel like the action was kind of non-stop? Yeah, it's very lean, mean, tough, exciting. Uh, and best of all, the story actually matters this time. <laughs> it did, right? Yeah. Um, however, just by being very good, it is still a pale, imisha- pale of imitation T2. of T1 and 2. Yeah. Especially uh, T2, I felt. Yes. And this is more trying to copy T1 because T1 was a horror movie. Yeah. T2 was an T2 action was movie. T2 was more action movie, yeah. Um, the difference between James Cameron and Tim Miller is right. Uh, James Cameron doesn't just da- do great action. Yeah. There is emotional weight in those actions. Yes. And I felt zero emotional investment in whatever was happening. Like it was okay. cool. It was like oh bang 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 bow bow bow. Okay 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 okay. That's okay, cool, okay. you know. Okay, it's not the same like. Uh, but then like okay, how okay, how okay, does okay. this like explosion affect a certain character? Yeah yeah yeah. You know? Okay okay. Like okay, okay. everything that happened in T two was like oh how does this affect John Connor emotionally? How does this even affect the T eight hundred? You know T eight hundred like had an emotional arc. Yeah, fucking yeah. robot in T two right? But you see that correct and and this kind of continues in this movie. I mean, even though it's not sure, the sure, same yeah, yeah. Terminator, it showed that Terminators could learn how to empathize and feel and love. Yeah, yeah, but like the the rich character moments are no longer as rich. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, the craft and the kineticism is present, it just is. not the heart and brain. Okay. Because okay. it also loses the thoughtfulness, the sci-fi, thoughtful sci-fi elements that T one and two had. Ah, okay. This one is just more. There's of a less focus on that. Great action movie, Yeah. But it no longer is. It's almost difficult to call it a sci-fi. I mean, yeah, there are robots and shit, lah. But then, like a sci-fi movie, usually indicates that you're trying to explore certain moral or social conundrums with technology, right? Yes, correct. Which this movie doesn't. Because the other movies already explored it. Dude, there's so many th- Black Mirror has found like a million different ways to I explore know. AI, right? I know, but we already explored it in the, the realm of Terminators already. Mm-hmm. But right, I felt that this was the the same way I enjoyed uh Luke and Hobbs. Mm. It's the same. In terms of like really great action Hobbs and, and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Luke and Hobbs. What you, the you don't even fuck? remember the movie that you like. Is uh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Shaw and Hobbs. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, same same kind of um excitement and same kind of action la Okay. Throughout, not too clever. I I mean I'm I'm not trying to say something that you know it's that I'm controversial la. It's it's not a really clever movie, mm. but it's a really fun watch for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, give it a solid seven. I'm giving it as well. Actually, we're not that far. I'm giving it a six point five. Okay. 
There we I go. I thought you were gonna like rate it higher. No, it's, it's like I, I, I liked it. I, I didn't, liked it. I didn't love yeah. it. Yeah. But I, I, I can't, I can't say that it is better than T two or T one, which what is what we are comparing it to. What do you think is better, T one or T two? T two. Mm. Yeah, because I'm not a fan of horror that much. Okay. Yeah, which T one is. No, but like T one had that cool time loop at the end. It did. You know, the uh, <laughs> when he was. If, the, if, if you don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. by now, like Kyle, Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese is. John Connor's dad. Dad, yeah, and yeah. also his best friend. Yeah, so <laughs> his best friend to give up to him. How awesome! No, but they that? didn't know. You no, know. they didn't know it at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You so had to go back in time to find out. It was damn cool. It was my first introduction to. I saw it before Twelve Monkeys. It was fir- my first introduction to this whole like uh cyc- cyclical time loop thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where you go. Yeah, same yeah. as mine. Blew blew my mind. T two was more of a technological masterpiece. It and was great character work. It and is better action. Exactly. But T one was more thoughtful. Yeah. You know. But see, I was so young when I watched T one. Yeah. Yeah. You watch it as an adult. Uh, rewatch it more recently and let me know what you think as okay. an adult. Because uh. when I watched T one the last time I was maybe uh, on VHS was when I was like eleven. Mm. But T two, I just rewatched it like maybe five years ago or something. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um uh Star Trek short. Series. Mm, how did uh, this go? It's called Short Tracks. Uh, it's an anthology series of short 15-minute mini episodes set inside the Star Trek universe. It's back for a second season, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to talk about a beautiful first episode entitled Q and A, in yeah. which we follow Ensign Spock. Oh damn! Uh, played by Ethan Peck, uh, as in Star Trek Discovery season yeah. two, uh, on his very first day aboard the USS Enterprise. Yeah, man. The first person he meets is number one, Rebecca Romaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within a few minutes, they both get stuck in a broken down turbo lift. There we go. This was just a dialogue-driven short story that expands the relationship between Spock and number one as they get to know each other. Uh, it's particularly cool because we didn't get to know her at all in the original series yeah. in the 60s. Um, she was a minor character introduced in the rejected pilot. Yeah. So this was a great way to explore a dynamic we knew must have existed but didn't get to see. Mm, okay. And, and considering that Spock and number one are such similar logic-driven, science-driven characters, yeah. in your head, you know that they'll be good friends and, and this shows us how they got there yeah. in the years before Captain Kirk. Um, this episode is written by Michael Chabon, uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning offer of uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay and the upcoming showrunner for Star Trek Picard. Let's go. And as you also remember, the last time we reviewed Short Tracks yeah. uh, for an episode Calypso, uh, he, so also, he also wrote that. Yeah. Uh, so the quality still there quality, I mean Michael Chabon is great mm-hmm. uh, Once again it reaffirms my confidence That Michael Chabon will be a fantastic character Driven writer Who knows and loves Star Trek history uh. And philosophy as much as I do Yeah. Because biggest problem with the Abrams Star Trek Is like too much fighting Too, too little much talking. lens flare well yeah that's too la, But that's just an Abrams trope yeah. Stylistic trope But yeah. like it's just like oh action Blow up blow up blow up action Michael Chabon over the last two short track Episodes that he done right Yeah uh, he just sits two characters in a room and lets them talk for fifteen minutes. Dialogue right? heavy. Let's go. Dialogue heavy, you know, an exchange of ideas, mm-hmm. which is c- essentially how every conflict in Star Trek ever ended. And character development. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's great. Uh, this was a great way to show that his Picard series coming in January twenty twenty. So excited! Uh, has the potential to be excellent. This is an eight out of ten for me. Nice. Let's uh, go. Oh, by the way, the second episode is uh, a triple centric episode. It's really fun. Oh, it, uh, star- yeah, yeah, yeah. It stars Rosa Salazar. It gives you the, the, the whole um, how tribbles, origins of how triples. Triples, yeah. yeah. Um, also, it stars Rosa Salazar, who I finally got to see act without any gimmicks. No mocap, no rotoscope. So how was she? She was really good. She's really pretty in real life. <laughs> and uh, I'm <laughs> glad that I finally noticed. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about the latest anime uh, from Shin- Shinichiro Watanabe. 
the director of the extremely popular Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo series. How did that go? Uh, this show is called Carol and Tuesday. It marks the 20th anniversary of Studio Bones and the 10th anniversary of Flying Dog record label. Uh-huh. It follows two young musicians in the far future as they, as they struggle to break into a music industry dominated by algorithms and AI-produced hits yeah. on Mars. Yeah. Um, the anime is a musical comedy. Yep. It's filled to the brim with good music, especially thanks to some of the guest artists they've invited on, like Thundercat and Flying Lotus and yep. many other talented pop stars and singer-songwriters and composers and producers from all around the world. Yeah. Uh, the show is mostly light-hearted with some great laughs and interesting characters, but it can... Talk your heartstrings and be politically relevant as well. Okay. Uh, so okay, Carol mm-hmm. is a street musician living in Elba City, yep. the largest metropolis on the terraform version of Mars. Tuesday is a rich girl. She meets the runaway daughter of a politician who has arrived in Elba City with nothing but ambition and her Gibson. Um, the unlikely duo partner up once. Now I don't know if you've ever seen the musical, but like it's like mm-hmm. once. But you know, they're both girls uh, and try to make their way into the music industry. As you can tell, the show is primarily about human expression and friendship, packaged like a musical biopic yeah. about the rise of Carol and Tuesday from street buskers to global sensations. But its most striking feature is probably its view of the music industry's future. What would happen to humanity if we were able to automate things as culturally important as music? Yeah, uh, it's an important question that is explored in a breezy way here. Okay, and and that's what I love most about the series, alongside its exploration of fame and politics. Nice. And speaking of politics, the overarching storyline is about immigration and mm-hmm. xenophobia as it pertains to Tuesday's mother, mm-hmm. the politician, as I mentioned, who is a hardline right winger running for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting as well. The idea that Mars, the new world, right, mm-hmm. you know, like America was, Mars is the new world, literally, uh, a place populated by immigrants will be so afraid of letting more immigrants in. Yeah, uh, is very relevant now, especially when paired with all the imagery of you know. Ice officers arresting minorities and politically conscious putting musicians. kids in cages. Yeah, and, and uh, arresting politically conscious musicians, things like that. Yep. Uh, Carol Tuesday is about music, and music is about people. It's about life, relationships, emotions, politics, and family, everything, lah. And I really p- appreciate the show for trying to weave it all in as motivations for different songs. All right. Uh, it's a seven point five out of ten for me. By the way, uh, yeah. the singers behind Carol and Tuesday. Uh, yeah. And also the singer behind all their rivals, like Angela and all of that, yeah. actually did a live concert in Harajuku Quest Hall in Tokyo a couple of months ago. Huh. A real concert with the real people behind the voices. Huh. Uh, it's called the Loneliest Girl concert. It was live streamed on YouTube, and I actually watched it. Um, was it good? I was so surprised to see such a large, like twenty thousand seater venue sell out for something like this. Okay. But I, I suppose it's anime, so it's probably big in Japan. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to see how the material would translate live, and truthfully, it actually comes across better live. Wow! You know, because okay. you can actually see the singers emote better. Ah, uh, okay, the, okay, okay, know, okay. Characters. Okay. All right. Uh, there is an archive of it on the official current Tuesday YouTube page. So check it out if you have time as well. That okay. one I will also read at eight out of ten. No, you give the the enemy seven point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the, the concept the, better. The concept better eight. You know, okay, got it. It was like the live action adaptation. Of all the right. <laughs> Alright, let's go. What's next? Uh, next up, uh, we're going to be talking about a movie and a TV show uh-huh. that has the same approach to the same storyline uh-huh. but with very different execution. Okay. We're going to be talking about Living With Yourself and Gemini Man coming up. Okay, let's do Living With Yourself. Paul Rudd pulls double duty in this breezy and charming sci-fi does, right? comedy that yeah. zips by with an intriguing concept uh, and funny writing. Yeah. And just it coasts on Paul Rudd's inherent likability. Yeah. 
Uh, Rudd plays Miles, a depressed and disheveled, underachieving sad sack who undergoes a mysterious. He's an Edman. Edman, yeah. Who, yeah. He, he undergoes a mysterious spa treatment <laughs> that promises to make him a new man. Yeah, right? I got so much to say about this. The thing is, it does. The catch is, the Miles that awakens from the spa treatment is a clone. Yeah. With the same memories, just kinder, more vibrant, more dynamic, more, and more empathetic, con- more co- more confident. Just a yeah. ba- just a better version of Miles. Yeah, yeah. All the bad juju taken out. Yeah. So the original Miles is supposed to die in the cloning process, but yeah. through a glitch. He awakes in a shallow grave And then he goes back to home To find his life overtaken by this better version of himself mm-hmm. So more than shock About this ridiculous sci-fi concept More than anything He's actually mostly resentful that Of how much better his life could have been If he had just had a different approach like to it Put a bit more effort yeah, 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 a little bit, right? Yeah So so Miles and his clone are equally stunned To yeah. learn about each other's existence And equally conflicted about how to proceed Yeah Old Miles is willing to step aside and mm-hmm. allow his clone to fill in for him at work yeah. and at home for increasingly large chunks of time, you know, with the wife. Yeah. When Old Miles re-enters the picture, he can reap the benefits of his new and improved life mm-hmm. without doing the work, right? Yeah. But by the time Old Miles realizes he's kind of reduced to becoming a spectator yeah. in his own life, it's kind of too late. Yeah. You know, so um, that's kind of the premise of yeah. this sci-fi comedy. It was great, though. Um, what, what, yeah, what do you think about it? Besides, so it was great. Um, well, there was that one um Tom Brady cameo. Yeah, that got a lot of controversy. Yeah, yeah, because of uh, why? Oh, okay. So the Patriots uh, owner, yeah, Robert Kraft, yeah. was caught soliciting um a massage parlor. Okay, so. He was caught red-handed like, There's video of him Getting jacked off By a massage parlor Or whatever like. Yeah but he wasn't Getting cloned right? Yeah yeah I know But do you see the, 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 the imagery was Tom Brady Coming out of the Massage parlor And then smiling to himself oh. Exactly I did not I did not Bring this contra- I did not see this Controversy Because I love Tom Brady I was Brady. like Unless Tom Brady Actually got cloned Six times <laughs> No but that's Th- the great, no, That was such a Great inside joke Because yeah. you know He cloned yeah. six times He won six, six Super, Super Bowl, Bowl rings yeah, yeah. yeah makes sense So he kept cloning himself To get better Yeah, yeah I get it yeah. And the best part was that Paul Rudd is a Kansas City Chiefs fan mm. so <laughs> it was just great lah. I, I mean I, I like that little part but okay Paul Rudd though yeah. what an underrated actor yeah yeah you know him as a comedic actor yeah. but he can do some great dramatic work god well. damn yeah. when they focus on his face and when he cries when mm. he's like angry and oh he's so good I mean he's not like underrated Not, not I wouldn't say he's the best yeah he's not like J.K. Simmons yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, course, of course of course, of course, of course. he doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. reach that level of new one no no no, no, no. Just, he surprises me la. he surprises me I was yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. he can do drama he can he can make sad faces he can make sad faces mm, not bad and cry cry faces not bad not bad like not great but not but bad but not bad yeah. yeah you see it was a surprise and again he's so likeable you just want to watch this because Paul Rudd is such a likeable piece of shit as a sad sack and as a happy confident man yeah and, and he kind of fully inhabits his two selves so that mm. they become unique individuals even though you know the only the, the way you can tell the difference is their hairstyles la. and just you know body posture body posture and all that those little nuances and they immediately you can kind of tell oh that's a bad guy uh, that's a sad guy and that's a happy guy what I really liked about it right was that what they were trying to say about why one is better and when one is not yeah could it be that the only thing that differentiates old Miles and new Miles is life experience? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one is bitter and sad because he's been bitten down by the grind of existence, right? Yeah. And new Miles is exuberant because everything feels new to him. Because his body is new. When you flash back to old Miles, or he's very Miles, new Miles. When he was young, yeah. he was happy, confident. You know, going for runs. Yeah, you know? things like that, right? In the end, it just... 
life just life fucks you up, man. Yeah, it just brings you down. It was a very simple message that like you're only better because you're new. Yeah. Wait, wait until life you experience life. And therefore, that's why people like Tom Brady went back six times. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only drawbacks are that the concept is is very far from original. Very yeah, far. yeah, yeah, yeah. The journey is very predictable. Yes, it is. Some of the jokes and narrative very low hanging. Arcs very, very low hanging. Yeah, I saw the twist ending coming. Oh, miles away. But it's also a good setup for season two. It is. Um, just a bit telegraphed. Uh, but with only eight half-hour episodes, it I, was it's so, fun. so easy to watch. It is. Uh, short, entertaining, easy to binge. And Paul Rudd. Not essential viewing at all. Yeah, it's fun. not. It's a seven out of ten for me. Yeah, seven. And I'll give you seven and a half just because of Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Tom Brady cameo, so yeah, I'm good. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, let's talk about Gemini Man, which is also oh, about Jesus clones. Christ, oh my Will Smith fights Will Smith in this new film by Ang Lee. Yeah. The movie follows Will Smith as an aging hitman yep. who is targeted by a younger clone of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> who uh, was raised by... You watch this? Yeah, raised by his enemy. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, it's, uh, Can I just say the good thing? One good thing about this film. <laughs> Just the, the, the marvel of the de-aging between Will Smiths. Sure. That's all. Nothing else. I'm good. Yeah, That's yeah. all. Like, before we get into the merits of the storytelling, yeah. right? If nothing else, it's important to note that this film is a technological quantum marvel. leap. Yeah. Uh, no, not just a marvel, it's a quantum leap because this is the first movie to ever shoot at, a, at an extra high frame rate of 120 frames per yes. second. Yes, yes, yes. Which yes, allows yes. us to witness an unprecedented unprecedented level of visual detail it's mm-hmm. truly astonishing yes you notice every speck of light from a fire every hair on a character's arm and when Ang Lee applies it to the action sequences the it's, results are astounding yeah. it's a game changing feat that, yeah. will, that will really change the future of digital filmmaking I agree yeah unfortunately none of that technical wizardry <laughs> is translated into <laughs> story, story yeah. or character nothing it succeeds technolo- technologically but it falls Feels on all levels. It's a really empty husk of a story, right? It's stilted dialogue, lazy narrative, poor character development. It just smacks of like a director with a new toy to play with. It's like, let me just write down a story on a cocktail napkin and then and let's we'll, just go with we'll it. Do it. Yeah. It's trite and wooden and dull and soulless and uninspired. Four ten. Yeah, four just because of the technological quantum leap as you're talking about yeah yeah it's yeah. really that if is the fault right? it will be a zero right? it's zero there's if no story te- not for the technology really, right? it's such a bad story and really Will Smith I love Will Smith at times yeah. but this is what happens when you get Will Smith and his writing team to come in yeah man because Will Smith is known to cut his scripts and rewrite all his lines hmm. to so be more Will Smith you can get the zingers yeah exactly Yeah. so same thing here Ugh, 4 out of 10 yeah, right. I agree. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about the second season of The Terror. Oh, how did this go? Terror Infamy. Yeah. The first season of The Terror was, was one great. of our favorite shows of Yeah, we loved it. One of the highest rated that we ever rated yeah, on yeah, this yeah. podcast. If you listen back, you you notice nothing but glowing praise. We did. We loved it. It was an atmospheric yeah. tale of stranded 19th century British Explorers, sailors yeah. kind of descending into madness on the Arctic tundra. Because they ate too much lead. And also, the, you know, spooky polar bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, naturally, we were excited to learn that AMC had turned the terror into an anthology, a yep. new story every yeah. season that keeps to the first season's mix of real historical tragedy mm-hmm. mixed with genre-based horror. Yeah. Uh, season two. So wait, wait. Yeah. So this season is the Japanese internment camps, right? Yes. So this got me really excited. Yeah. So how did this go? So yeah, as Hardy mentioned, it it focuses on the Japanese immigrant community in America during World War Two, specifically yeah. after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah. That's where the title comes from, you know, Roosevelt's speech, a day that will live in it. Yeah, correct. Uh, if you weren't aware, the Japanese immigrants in America were relocated to internment camps. Yeah. 
stripped of their for their own safety. Mm, so to mm. speak, lah. Um, stripped of their possessions and repeatedly forced to prove their allegiance to the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, we kind of follow a family of fishermen who are not only haunted by a malevolent spirit from Japanese folklore. Oh no. Uh, they are also haunted by the rising tide of racism and xenophobia sweeping the nation. Mm. Um, in a way, this is a season that contrasts dangerous myths, okay, uh, supernatural myths, and the myth of the American dream, mm. uh, which are both just as horrific. Mm. Um, oddly enough, the fear of ghosts is universal and almost comfortable, yeah. especially when compared to the fear that you feel when the government comes for you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so scary. It is. <laughs> There's nothing they could do, you know. Yeah. They they like there are ways to fight this ghost lah, but you cannot fight the U.S. government. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> unless you want to mutinize and um revolutionize or something lah. I know, man. Yeah. Uh, like when they come, they take all your property, imprison you without trial. There's a scene in episode two where soldiers storm into a hospital and take all the Japanese children. And babies and lock them up. The cruelty almost seems far fetched. If it's Wasn't happening right now. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, okay. And so plus, we heard all the stories about Japanese internment camps. Yeah, have been quite horrific. So it's kind of like a okay ghost, but you know, so what? Yeah. Why they compared to this, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Narratively speaking, Infamy is a distinct pivot away from its season one. Season okay. two is somber and more politically potent. Okay. Uh, it's also a ghost story, which season one wasn't. Uh, that kind of meditates on generational trauma. Okay. There are similarities uh, in terms of production value and tone. Okay. Uh, but the terror looks gorgeous. It dedicates ample resources into authentic recreation of multiple historical settings. I heard about this. What's more, Infamy adopts a similarly deliberate pace and tone as the original, which you know, with action spread out over like a decade. Yeah. Plus, the series remains more interested in human villains than mystical ones. Okay. Its depiction of the concentration camps are chillingly accurate, thanks to producer George Takei, speaking of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who actually grew up in them? Yeah, uh, I mean, he's a uh, uh, advocate, uh, advocate for um, people to acknowledge Japanese internment camps now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and given for the longest what, time, given what's going on in in America today, uh, the commentary here is timely. Yeah. But unlike season one, Infamy's uh, character work here mm-hmm. uh, is very slipshod. Oh no! Very badly done. Uh, Infamy has the makings of a great family drama, one driven by intergenerational conflict and mm-hmm. culture clash. Mm-hmm. It's more successful when exploring the ways, um, in which the notions of new and old, you know, birth country versus adopted home, nationalists versus immigrants, uh, cultural heritage versus assimilating, you know, yeah. how that can drive conflict, lah. Okay. But ex- execution is painfully dry. Oh no! And and at times illogical in terms of character motivations, they're just things where like, I don't understand why you did this. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about cultural differences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just talking about you as a human being doing something illogical. Sometimes it feels it when characters do things, it feels very CW. Yeah. Like I'm watching Arrow. Yeah. You know, like I why, huh? <laughs> kind of thing, and and plus, mystically, it's just not as scary as as Toonbuck, you know, the, the yeah, scary yeah. polar bear from polar season bear. one, which kind of haunted my imagination. It had a great character design, killed a lot of people. Season two, ghost is very maybe the, more nuanced. The most stereotypical J horror. Oh no, girl, okay, okay. The hair, and the, the face, hair's down and all, you know, and all that. Oh man, like oh grudge, but like watered down. Uh, oh. no pun intended. Uh. Hey, <laughs> yeah, go I, didn't, on. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's inconsistent family melodrama and ineffective ghost story kind of drags down the politically acute commentary 
and high production quality. It's a five out of ten for me. Oh wow, that's a drop. Yeah, that's a drastic drop from season one. Drastic. Season one was like at least an eight or a nine. Yeah, eight or nine. Honest, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Next up, I'm going to be talking about a zombie comedy yeah. from Hulu called Little Monsters. It's yeah. very cute. Uh, it's a low-key delight. It's, it has a fantastic performance from Lupita Nyong'o, okay. who plays a kindergarten teacher that has to protect a class from a zombie outbreak during a school trip to okay. the zoo. Yeah. Uh, this is charming and fil- and brimming with comic energy, and it's kind of hilariously irre- irreverent. Mm-hmm. It's not groundbreaking, nor is it particularly original. It, it, and movies like Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland have done this concept better, but you know it's breezy, bubbly, and and charming enough to be a crowd pleaser. And Lupita okay. Nyong'o is incredible in it. All right. So I'll recommend it. It's a seven out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Uh, What's next? What is next? Hold on, let me scroll down my notes. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Yeah. Uh, did you watch it? No, I did not. You know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do this review. This is a three out of ten. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Okay. What's next? Uh, I'm going to be talking. About, yeah. Fuck. Fuck Maleficent. Really that bad? This was like. A, Why is it not a zero though? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is just eating, like chewing scenery, like nobody's business. Okay, so like, that's the three lah. I mean, Angelina Jolie and Michelle Pfeiffer are like queens. Uh, they like you know this movies. Literally lah. Yeah, but they're just like oh my god, it's so entertaining to watch them. Okay. You know. Okay. But as a movie, it pretty much sucks, lah. All right, three out of ten. Got it. Like I had this whole like thing written out about you know the pros and fuck it, it sucks. Like, okay, it's three it's out of ten. I'm not gonna waste ten. time on that. What's next? Size Manos. What's this? It's a Mexican anime. Mexican anime. Wait, do you say Mexican? Yeah, on Netflix. That kind of popped out out nowhere on my recommendations list. All right. I fully admit that this show isn't perfect and can uh-huh. be hit or miss. Okay. But overall, it's such pulpy fun that I had to briefly mention it. All right. This show is a unique combination of old school Chinese martial arts flicks. With Mexican culture Ooh. and 1970s westerns and monster creature features and black exploitation, there is a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Size Manos is a genre mashup that wears its inspirations on its sleeves. You know, Aye. there are like drug cartels and grizzled Aye. cops and kung fu fights and demon possessions, and the show overflows with <laughs> bloody and very cool grindhouse. Kind of aesthetic Okay It's absurdly violent And charmingly cheesy And thoroughly entertaining If you're a fan Of any of the genres I mentioned You'll likely find Size Minos to be Entertaining Despite the cliches Okay uh, Thin Very Very thin <laughs> plotting <laughs> <laughs> Extremely bad character work <laughs> And sometimes Sloppy animation Oh okay But it's fun Okay It's a 7 out of 10 7 out of 10 This, is, right. this is what uh, Hadi was talking about Dark Feet uh, earlier la. Yeah 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 Fun I, I enjoyed it because I know what it is Being what much it is, too Oh okay know? okay yeah. I, I know a lot of Well I didn't grow up In the 70s either la. I don't know yeah. about exploitation. Although I did watch But Dolomite. we watch a lot of exploitation films I did, uh, Go watch Dolomite is, is my name also On uh, Netflix Great history about exploitation. And it's the return Of Eddie Murphy la. Yeah yeah uh, Great stuff So that's it For uh, Quick Hits Yeah This month uh, Next up we'll be talking About book recommendations Yay uh, This is called The Poll List And Since our guest Chris Fock is here and since he is, you know, an actual playwright that has written stories that have been published and shit, <laughs> unlike myself, uh, we'll get him to recommend two bits of... Uh, is it two, Chris? Two. Yeah, we'll get him to recommend two bits of uh, novel novels? Novellas? Light novels. Light novels. Uh, so, okay, take it away, Chris. What, what, what do you have to recommend for us? Okay, so um, I think from the previous time I was on uh, genre equality, I... Introduce the concept of light novels Which is basically novels that you read on your phone mm. And this particular kind of genre of writing Comes out of China yeah. Especially because of how uh, 
handphone centric they all are mm. so uh but of course i read everything in english so i don't i only read uh english translations of the things that have been published ah. uh over there and these are writers who have giant fandoms okay. uh and it's ridiculous because the the very fact is they are n- the names that the pen names that they choose are just so out of this world so okay <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to be introducing uh, two uh, light novels that I've been currently reading. Uh, the first one is called My House of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by the author. I kid you not. This is his name. I fix air conditioner. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, I've been reading this. I think since the beginning of the year. Um, it is an interesting um, leveling. Uh, so. Basically, a lot, a lot about light novels. They are really wish fulfillment, uh, uh, uh novels where mm-hmm. characters, uh, where people kind of put themselves in characters and go like, oh, I can be powerful too if I kind of level up. But mm-hmm. this particular novel, My House of Horrors, takes it in a different slant. So, uh, it talks about this boy who, just the premise, uh, he he inherits a haunted house from his parents who have gone missing, and so he finds a phone which has an app, which uh prompts him little missions uh, for his haunted house and as he completes the missions uh, uh, those particular um, entertainments or scenarios appear in his haunted house and what's interesting about this particular uh, uh, light novel is that all the scenarios that he goes through are actually ghost stories and Mm. and it plays a lot into the the genre of Asian supernatural horror and it really uh, this particular uh, author completely admired him. Uh, there are really seven hundred over chapters wow. <laughs> from this light novel, which I've been reading since the beginning of the year, and it's some of the most chilling um, um, little shots, sh- short snippets of scenarios that he has to go through. Uh, you have right now uh, at, in the in the chapter that I'm reading right now, he is going through a. A level four, whatever that means, uh, scenario, which is called the school of the afterlife, okay. which is kind of cool. And that kind of uh, will, once he completes it, it will be added to, into his haunted house. But at the moment, uh, most of his haunted house is populated by his employees, which are ghosts, actual ghosts. And there's a lot of comedy that happens when he uh, gets visitors to his theme park. So that's my first uh, novel recommendation. Sweet. Sec- what was it called again? My House of Horrors. My House of Horrors by uh, I can fix. R- I fix air, air conditioner. conditioner. <laughs> I fix air conditioner. So uh, the next one that I'm going to introduce to you is uh, which also I just started uh, reading. I think about a few months back. It's called uh, Kingdom's Bloodline uh, by this author called Masterless Sword. Now you know <laughs> definitely Chinese by the by the title uh, by by the name of the author. So. Um, why I'm introducing this one is also another reincarnation uh, novel. But what's interesting about this is that the protagonist is an eight-year-old boy uh, who is who reincarnates as a as a beggar, and then he finds out that he's the prince of this kingdom. But uh, in besides that kind of wish fulfillment where you go from rags to riches, uh, what's much interesting about this. Uh, particular light novel is that the protagonist is complete somewhat completely powerless so everything that he has to do or everything that he does to get himself out of very sticky situation situations is really about the political background and history of the kingdom itself and so i would actually 
I've been reading it and I've been kind of uh, really sucked into the history of the world to the point that I'm I, I think this is this could be the my uh, Game of Thrones <laughs> novel for the year because it's the 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 amount of uh, historical knowledge and world building this particular author has done really plays into the political decisions that that child makes mm. uh, between countries and thus get himself out of uh, out of situations I mean there's fantasy there's magic as well but that plays uh, a background role as compared to the political political intrigue so mm. do read it uh, that one too has like about 500 chapters you can read till kingdom come <laughs> how, how estimatedly right how long does it take to read a chapter um I mean a chapter could take Two minutes. Whoa! Two minutes. It's really. That's why the genre is called light, light. No- novel. Yeah. Because it's, it, prompts you to consume. So it it goes in perpetuity. No, like I, a series. Uh, no. You would think that that be the case, but uh, this author they usually plan things in arcs. Oh. So this has like five arcs. That means there are five novels already in okay. this one mo- one okay. novel. So it's not like a comic book ongoing series, but more like a limited series. Yes. Okay. Okay. I yeah. get it. I get it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and where can we download or find this? Okay. So you can find both of these novels on boxnovel.com, uh, which is basically an English translation, translation uh, website, and they translate all of the best uh, light novels there are. Nice. And there is a giant following all around the world for light novels. So if you've never tried it, I welcome you to the dark side. <laughs> so, so these are all like official English translations, or are yes. they no, okay. they are unofficial. So they're fan subs. They're fan subs. Wow, because I mean, I I watch anime fan subs. Uh. Yeah, sometimes they are like atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. they are atrocious, but the ones that I've been introducing to you are actually pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Uh, English. They're grammatically correct. So mm. at the very least, there's that. So. Man, I mean, I'm watching My Hero Academia now. The fan subs are woof, woof. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, it is because it's the one that's released the next day, yeah. and then yeah. Yeah, 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 oh boy. But thank you, though, even though it's bad. Yeah, yeah, even though it's bad. I mean, my hero kid me. Um, I, I don't want to wait, you know, yeah. months for it. Months, so right? I, I'm, I'm yes, glad months. for the fans up. So, yeah. uh, okay. So before we cap it off, I'm going to be talking about Margaret Edwards' latest novel. It's a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. It's called The Testaments. How did this go? Uh, it takes place 15 years after Offred's final scene in the original book. Yeah. For those wondering, nope, this is not tied to the Hulu series at all. But for the most part, it actually stays faithful to 85 to 90% of the things the TV show invented. Alright, that's not bad. Uh, in seasons 2 and 3, you can tell that unlike George R. R. Martin's tenuous relationship with, George, with yeah. Game of Thrones, Margaret Atwood actually admires a lot of what the TV show has invented. And has incorporated it into her own canon. And yes, Hulu has said that the TV show will incorporate the new bits of world building here into upcoming seasons. Uh, but they're not tied at all. They just really like each other and they're borrowing from each other. Oh, that's so great. A creative relationship that actually lasts. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, uh, yeah, sorry, Ben Hoff and Wise, who recently got fired from Star Wars 2. Did they, did they get fired no, or did they leave? I mean, the press releases, they, they left to do other right? projects, uh, but yeah. you know what that really means, right? They got fired. Yeah. Uh, just like Phil Lord and Miller Didn't actually Get fired right? They said they left To do other projects You know Correct correct Yeah uh, Anyways back to this um, It shouldn't matter To your en- entertainment or, uh, To your enjoyment Of the book Or the series la, Because you know They're separate things And should be taken As separate things So uh, let me lay out The principal players In the testaments uh, Instead of one POV 
like the original novel, this novel is narrated by three female characters. Notably, there's Aunt Lydia, who is a key character in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Uh, and the probably the most major POV here. Uh, then there is Agnes, a young woman living in Gilead, and Daisy, a young woman living in Canada, who is horrified by Gilead's abuses of human rights. Uh, the younger women are written in such in such a way that the reader assumes that they are offered as daughters. Uh, it's made so plainly evident that they are offered as daughters, lah. But they never actually do confirm it, lah. Okay. But it's pretty obvious, lah. Pretty obvious. Agnes is probably the daughter that Alfred was forced to give up, and uh, she's being pa- uh, prepared for her assigned role as the future wife of a commander. Uh, meanwhile, Daisy is the likely daughter who was smuggled out of Gilead. Uh, baby, oh, I forgot name the. Yeah, yeah, you know the one that she. The one that um yeah lah. Yeah, that was smuggled out, right? Um, With, uh, what's her name? Alex sis uh, Bedell's character. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was placed for adoption with a couple in Toronto. And was raised without knowledge uh, of either the truth or her origins or the existence of her sister. Okay. Uh, so the testament has a lot to live up to, right? As yeah. well um, as all that hype. There's the genuine brilliance of its predecessor, which has kind of become a touchstone in the age of Trump and a, you know, a hugely popular TV series and a literary classic. And I, I don't think the testament. It's not fair. It's not fair to think that it can live up to that. You know, it's uh, it cannot fully live up to all of that lah, but it can and does satisfy our hunger for more. Mm. It is an addictively readable, fast-paced adventure that barrels towards the collapse of Gilead, and it is not what you expect it to be. The main storyline is kind of a spy thriller, to be honest. It's it's more like a Jason Bourne book than anything. Mm. Um. About the mole inside Gilead, who is working with the media resistance to bring down the evil empire, and unlike the more shocking horror of human rights abuses and female misery in the first book, Edward has given us a blockbuster sequel with a propulsive and almost breathless narrative, mm. stacked with a lot of twists and turns worthy of a gothic novel. Uh, the testaments built intention and masterfully so. Uh, morphing into a fraught tale of subterfuge and spycraft as it toggles between the three narratives, teasing how they might eventually intersect and why. Um, Edward's prose is great. It's as powerful as ever. It's tense and spare. She invests certain phrases with ironic fury. Um, her wordplay and word games are ingenious and continue to be. She forces you to think about language and how it can be made to lie. Is it a fun read? Uh, yes. Is it exceptionally written? Yes. Is it thematically resonant? Yes. Is the story good? Yeah, absolutely. But is it as powerful or insightful as The Handmaid's Tale? Not close. Pretty pretty far from it, actually. All right. What makes this such a riveting yarn is also what makes it less impactful and less truthful. But in the end, I'd say fans of the original will leave satisfied. The Handmaid's Tale was, you know, kind of one of those like 10 out of 10 novels, right? And this is a 7.5 out of 10 in my opinion. A good book that you will enjoy reading, but not a work of timeless literature that will be, you know, dissected in classrooms for years to come. Alright. It's just, it's just a fun sequel, and, and you should read it if you want an official explanation for how Gilead came to an end. Mm. And, you know, I love great spy stories. Okay. Yeah, man. Nice, nice. Next month uh, is actually a very light month. Uh, Isafung will be back from his um, mm. no sab- more Chris s- s- sabbatical sabbatical in, in, in Bali. 
No more Chris? Uh, Chris can join. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about... Uh, speaking of sequels, yeah. Doctor Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining. The Shining. Uh, written and directed by the person who created The Haunting of Hill House, Mike Flanagan. Uh, we'll have Zombieland 2. We will have The Man in High Castle. Yes, it's the back. The final season. The final. That basically is doing Crisis on Earth X. Let's go. Because Nazis have found a multi-dimensional portal. And, and they're going to invade the real realm? They're going to invade all realms. All realms, yeah. Like I said, it's Crisis on Earth X. It is, it is. You know. Yeah. It. You know, it's being released around the same time as Crisis on Infinite Earths. I it wonder is. if they will cross over with the CW verse. It will be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'll also be talking about Frozen 2 uh, The Adam Family Titans yeah. Room 104 Castle Rock I think Isa will be back With Anime Corner uh, He will be And one of our, my favourite Comic books uh, Of recent In recent memory The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl <gasps> Something that I can contribute to uh, I read it too Comes to an end uh, Next yeah. month So we'll talk about Like you know It's legacy What it's mm. been How funny it's been And all of that um, That'd be great Gosh but Next month actually is actually Light month uh, When it comes to December right We're gonna be yeah, so we need a November Which is like November is chill November is so chill These are all the things That I debuting in December Just to give you a preview All the things That have fin- that will finish And we'll have to review yeah, yeah, yeah. All at the same time There's yeah. The Mandalorian Ooh The trailers have been epic There is Watchmen Oh which it's is been so good Pretty so far. fucking genius I must yeah, say Yeah yeah yeah, yeah His yeah, Dark yeah. Materials uh, Looks quite good yeah. that, You know Golden Compass Finally done right Hopefully Yeah hopefully We have The Witcher On Netflix Great oh. Great mm. game the Great ex- novel The Expense comes back Can't wait In December And drops all his episodes Can't On the same wait. day as The Witcher So fuck you all Yeah uh, Crisis <laughs> on Infinite Earths Can't wait Five episodes Bringing back everyone From Smallville To Birds of Prey To everyone Is this the last time That Brandon Roof will be Playing both Atom and Superman, Atom and Superman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Um, Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker Let's go The biggest fucking one Yeah Rick and Morty <laughs> Yeah Jesus, I'm so I'm so tired. I'm tired just hearing it too. <laughs> but I'm how fun is it? And these are these are just the topics, right? That exactly. We're all going to be discussing. I'm not even counting quick hits yet. Quick hits also has things. Okay, let's go with quick hits. What do you have? Like runaways and and all the Apple Plus TV shows that like the Jason Momoa blind oh, dystopia. Is it thing. called C? It's called C. Yeah. It's about a world where everybody's blind. Yeah. Except a child. Well, uh, twins, Isn't uh. that just like that that movie called Blindness? Blindness. Yes, yeah. yes. Several critics have pointed this out already. <laughs> <laughs> but but the critics have said like this is like blindness if made by the people who ran Xena Warrior Princess because apparently that's the tone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a crossover! I mean, like they've been doing all these loss of senses. When are they gonna do a loss of taste? Yeah. Oh my god Then the chef you know, <laughs> He eats the soup And then like No Yeah, yeah. You know like they're, they're kind of positing Like in a world Of blind people right mm. That the two children With sight Are essentially super powered right yeah. It doesn't quite work The same way with taste I guess <laughs> <laughs> like, they're This not tastes ch- like shit <laughs> They're not gonna change Like society or anything I think <laughs> But if they can make it Where the premise Does affect society Why not Yes Hopefully uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff like, Oh my god I'm so tired already about Thinking about December But we have November 1st November is <laughs> going to be chill Yeah man Let's if, go If only one or two Of these series Ended earlier Then December would be A lot more easier To, to consume I agree But never mind It's okay December will be a dope episode There will be a dope episode uh, Till then This has been Hit Zero <coughs> I'm Hardy I'm Chris uh, Where can people like Find your work Chris If you're not like Plug social media or anything Oh, uh, no, I don't put up my work for <laughs> for people to 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 read. It's private, guys. It's 
his theater it goes up on stage and then it disappears oh damn <laughs> oh and if you want to follow like his theater work you know your company is called Dark Matter Theatrics right yes you can follow us on Dark Matter Theatrics yes like uh, all his old stuff and hopefully upcoming stuff will be mm-hmm. posted there mm-hmm. too so do keep a lookout uh, Isa will be back hopefully refreshed and ready to consume some TV and movies yeah. next month uh, so um, goodbye guys thanks for listening Good night. night guys bye bye